they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. I'm excited, and I'll say why I'm excited is because we're going to be talking about the Bible and the pandemic. We just finished a show at Jesse Romero talking about uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder and what the Trump administration is doing. And I thought, my wife is the one who thought of it. She said, why don't we talk about the pandemics and how the Bible uh, has responded? How, and, he, and I'm going to also talk about some, some saints, how they've responded to pandemics. Mary Danielle, are you reporting for duty, ma'am? She's not in yet. Okay, thank you, Mr. Engineer. Let me know when she comes. I want to also mention to our listeners that Steve Ray, I just texted him between shows. He did confirm. Okay, uh, she's trying to call right now, Je- uh, Richard, and she's getting a busy signal. Okay, so we, uh, we had an issue with uh, Steve Ray. He's coming on Friday. He is going to be giving a, a, a radio show with us, but I'm going to be t- promoting his January 20th, 2020 conference that he'd be doing a a, uh, a actual virtual walkthrough through a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. So if you want to join us for that, he's going to be having points of, of PowerPoint presentations up on the screen. It's like going to the Holy Land, but not getting on a plane because we can't do it right now. So I want to invite you to that by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and that way you can you know, get into that issue of of joining us for Steve Ray. Also, Jesse Romero, the men's conference is June 13th. And uh, that also will be um, a a men's conference with Ruben Nava and Tim Gordon. And you can do this all, not at the chapel. We were still waiting for a word to open up the churches for that because right now I think we can only put about 60 people and we have several hundred who want to go to it. So keep that in mind that... uh, you can come to the uh, chapel, not the chapel, but through the video and YouTube and on all the others. And I just want to encourage you to keep us in prayer. We also have confessions going. Check this out. The last three weekends, 200 confessions are heard from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturdays here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Is Mary Danielle with us yet? Let me know when she comes. So, that's going to be uh, something that I think everybody should consider going since the confessions are really difficult to get to. Go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. You can see how you can sign up. Or you can just call and show up at, at 10 a.m. Uh, also for the confessions. But I also want to mention to you that we couldn't do it without you. We do it under the Anglican Ordinary. It's Bishop who has given permission for his bishops, his priests to hear confessions. So that's really wonderful. And I'm going to let everybody know when Mass will begin at the chapel, public Mass again. I know the the Amalekite right priest is going to try and start it up this Sunday, but I haven't heard from him today if he got the okay from his bishop. But I did mention that in Orange County, I think they're starting the 13th and 14th of June to have Mass again. So that's good news that we're getting our sacraments back to us. 
And again, when Mary Danielle comes on this line, we'll be able to um, talk about the pandemic uh, and the Bible. I wanted to just mention again, for those who missed it, uh, this is um, this is a, an interesting thing that the psychiatrists wrote that 86 more prescriptions for psychotropic drugs, including antidepressants, during the lockdown months of March and April compared to January and February. What's happening is we call it the collateral damage. Many people are dying because they can't get their medication for their heart or um, they have cancer and they're trying to uh, get treatment and that's not happening. So it's really thrown everything in, in a full circle. And I mentioned it that doctors at John Murr Medical Center in Walnut Creek, California, say they have recorded more deaths from suicide than from the coronavirus. And why do I say this? Because it seems to me that when people can't go to work and you got 30 million people out of work and dad's trying to provide for the family, that that stress could th- make it very difficult to have a very um, amiable relationship with your wife and kids because you're so frustrated you can't get a paycheck home. So all I'm saying is I think it's important that we look at this whole situation objectively with common sense. And, you know, are we burning down the village with the solution on the coronavirus by putting people in, that are healthy uh, indoors where they're not going to get that vitamin D from the sun and where they're going to have a compromised immune system so that when they do come out, that uh, they'll be more susceptible to the virus. And that's just a question I'm asking. I, I think we're at it, you know, and doctors have all been telling us this is crazy to quarantine healthy people. We've never done it that way. Okay, well, then I won't have her on the line. Just let her know. Mary will not be here with us today. We're having technical problems with the phones. So I am just going to encourage all of you to say a prayer for our phone systems and that we can get back on on the air with Mary. Uh, But I will say this, that when we come back from a break, I will have some more material for you because my wife had the material for for this particular presentation. I also want to just say how much I appreciate what the administration did, uh, the Trump administration did, by asking the U.N. to remove the abortion funding from the COVID-19 plan. It seems that they're, everywhere we go, they're taking advantage of this crisis to try to put in what I call immoral things, like abortion funding or even the Planned Parenthood funding. And I'm so grateful that we have an administration right now that's not allowing that because I could imagine four years ago if this happened, they would well, they would clean house with all the evil things that they're doing. So I just want to confirm that. I mean, don't ever forget what St. Pope Felix III said back in 475 A.D., which is kind of neat. I mean, way back then, he said, not to oppose error is to approve it. Not to defend truth is to suppress it, and indeed to neglect, to confound evil men when we can do it, is no less a sin than to encourage them. How appropriate is that for us today? And that's why our Bible, our family heirloom, is something that we all need to have 
uh, for us to understand our situation with this pandemic. Because in the Old Testament, there were pandemics. But if you notice, they didn't come out and say, we need to wash your hands. We need to do all. Of course, we didn't have the medical knowledge that we have today. But what they did is they turned to God in a most powerful way. And we also saw this in the church over 2,000 years, you know, how the saints, when there would be a pandemic, they would turn to God with the sacraments. They would sacrifice so much, even at the potato famine in the 1840s in Ireland. I just, I was told by Monsignor, a friend of mine, how the priests did everything. They gave up their clothing. They gave up food just to, to get people anointed, uh, to get people the Eucharist, to hear their confessions. Their zeal, it's, it's almost like we've had amnesia on how we handle pandemics. And I think it comes down to my take is the supernatural aspect of our faith has been uh, replaced by uh, a natural faith that says, you know, we've got to be happy, healthy, and whatever we need to do to make that happen, uh, let's do it. If that means taking away our spiritual life, that's okay, because you got to be happy and you got to be healthy. And I think that that's invaded our church. I'm just being honest with you, and I think we need to go back to the fathers of the church, go back to the saints, and look at how they handled these pandemics in the past. And uh, I don't want to criticize our, our bishops, but I have to at least say this, you know, to the Holy Father, please give us Jesus. Give us Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Give us the sacraments. I'm not that worried, really, about how long I'm going to live on this planet because I believe that life is short compared to eternity in heaven. Please give me a focus with the sacraments that I can be prepared to get to heaven by living in the state of grace. If you do that, then that I'm a happy camper. But when you take away the sacraments and you say, no, we're, it's not healthy for you, what health are we talking about? My spiritual health or my nat natural health? I don't want you to tell me about my natural health. I have doctors that do that. I want you to inspire me with the supernatural hope of heaven and how to get there by living a Christ-centered life and showing me how I can do that and not be you know, flustered by you t spending so much time on having me do medical things. I think we, we've kind of gotten out of our position of, of where the doctors have something to say on medical health, but they don't have something to say about the spiritual because they're not priests or bishops. And I would like to ask if we could get back to the old basics of just teaching us how to get to heaven and all these other things. Maybe, I mean, I'm all for, um, you know, showing me to be good to the environment, to the earth. Yes, but let's spend more time on getting me to heaven through living a life of virtue with my family and living a life centered around Jesus Christ and not be so worried about my body because my body is, as you know, everyone, is going to be gone in just a few short years. But my soul will live forever. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. We're having some technical difficulty on getting my wife on. I hope after the break we'll be in a position to bring her right back on. We'll be right back with more on the Bible with the Barbers. 
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Actually, Mary Danielle is coming. We're still having phone problems. She's uh, babysitting our grandson and still doing this, but she'll come in when she comes in. I want to just adjust to that little curveball where my wife isn't here and cover a different topic until she comes back. That's very broad for us on the Bible, and it's basically how to get the most out of reading the Bible. Uh, this is a question that every Catholic should ask. How do I get more? You know, number one, what is sacred scripture? Number two, why do we read sacred scripture? And number three, how do we read sacred scripture? Now, to understand what sacred scripture is, we must first understand what revelation is. Right? We've heard this book of Revelation. <laughs> well, Revelation comes from the word reveal. God made human beings in his divine image. He gave us spiritual souls with the capacity to understand love and choose. Because of this, we can deduce some things about God from observing the world around us. By pondering its creator... By listening to the moral written within our hearts, the law of written hearts, this is called, are you ready, everybody? General revelation. Further, it's not suppressing that from the beginning of the human race, God would also reveal his will to us by a more direct communication with man, telling us something about his nature and what we must do to attain the destiny he has planned for us. You know what we call this, everyone? Special revelation. Among the ways that God has revealed himself to human beings are, one, through the material universe. We've talked about this on the Bible with the Barbers before. Through the natural moral law. Number three, through public revelation. Now, God revealed himself through the material universe. You know, we don't have to have faith to believe there's a God. It's there. By using reason, people can comprehend the obvious order, beauty, power of the material world. From this order, power, and beauty, we can conclude that there must be an all-powerful divine being responsible for the universe. The Old Testament book of wisdom explains this from wisdom chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. For all men who are ignorant of God were foolish by nature, and they were unable from the good things that are seen to know him who exists. For from the greatness and the beauty of created things comes a corresponding perception of 
their creator. Now, in the New Testament, folks, St. Paul makes the same point in his letter to the Romans. And this is Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So this is a refresher course on sacred scripture. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle, hopefully will be coming. We're having phone problems. Sacred scripture tells us creation reveals the creator. Wisdom says the material world is God's artwork. I love that. Can I repeat that? Wisdom tells us that the material world is God's artwork. Isn't that beautiful? Just as we can learn many things about an artist by studying his work, so we can learn many things about divine artists simply by studying his creation. Remember when I said you don't have to have faith to believe in God? Open your eyes. Look around. How does that earth, you know, centered with, I mean, going around in orbit with the sun and the moon? There's order. So God reveals himself through natural laws. We often describe natural law as the law written in our hearts, right? From Romans chapter 2, verse 15. But this is a figurative expression. The natural law is man's intellectual recognition of the demands of the eternal law. So throughout history, virtually all men have agreed that certain actions are right. See, we call it objective truth. Telling the truth and keeping the promises. While others are wrong, like cheating and murdering, this universal recognition of how people should and should not act is what we mean by natural law. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? God has written natural law into the nature of humans as rational creatures. Hence, the name natural. Since all humans in all times share the same nature, they are subject to the same natural law. Uh, you know, demands of the natural law reflect God's eternal law, which is unchanging because God is unchanging. See, God doesn't change his mind. You get it? <laughs> God reveals himself through public revelation. What's that? God has revealed his will and his nature by communicating to inspired prophets. When God told Moses that his name is, remember, I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He revealed something profound about his eternity, his existing nature. God revealed the moral law directly when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Now remember, natural law does not refer to physical laws or laws of nature. It refers to the moral law that governs human conduct. Therefore, it is sometimes known as 
the natural moral law. Now, public revelation began with God's direct communication through inspired prophets. This revelation, also known as the deposit of faith, it binds everyone. And this is a very important statement. I've been saying it for decades. Public revelation came to an end with the death of the last apostle. That's what the Catholic Church teaches about public revelation. Now, public revelation comes in two forms. I hope you're learning a lot because I learned a lot when I got this. This was really eye-opening for me. But public revelation comes in two forms. One, sacred scripture, and two, sacred tradition. Sacred scripture is divine revelation that was written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now check this out. Sacred tradition is divine revelation that was not written down, but which the church has faithfully transmitted from the beginning. Very important points here. So now we can define what sacred scripture is, divine public revelation written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You see how fundamentals are so important when we read the Bible? Now, to ensure that we receive public revelation without corruption and interpret it correctly, we need not only sacred scripture and sacred tradition, but also the official teachings, the authority of Christ's church. Here it comes, known as... You've heard the term magisterium. These three pillars of the faith, scripture, tradition, and the magisterium. I think my wife, Mary Danielle, are you with us? I think I'm with you. Can you hear me? Oh, Mary, it's so good to hear from you. <laughs> to hear from you, too. <laughs> I was just giving up, folks, a little fundamental teaching how... We approach sacred scripture, an introduction with <clears throat> what is rev- you know sacred scripture. So I'm all for shifting gears <clears throat> and talking about the published topic, which is what's the Bible have to say about a pandemic and how we have handled pandemics in the past. So I'm all yours. Well, I wanted I wanted to bring up a couple of things in, from the scriptures. Um, two from the Old Testament, uh, two from the New Testament. But I wanted to start out with the first reading from today's Mass, oh, yeah. something, yeah. something that Paul said that I think is so very, very important to remember mm-hmm. in times of trial, okay? Okay. Paul is at Miletus, and he sends for the pres- presbyters of the Church of Ephesus. Mary, can I interrupt you? Because we're going to take a quick break, and that's a good teaser. Acts of the right. Apostles, chapter 20, verse 17 to 27 and um, we'll have Mary uh, tie this into the topic. Oh, I see myself now. I'm on the screen. Okay. And you're listening to the Bible with the barbers. We had some technical difficulties. But you know what? They, my, my brother, my, my dad used to, my mom used to tell me, life is full of adjustments. Get used to it. And Mary, I just want to thank you babysitting and doing the technical stuff. You sound great on whatever system you're using. <laughs> it's great. So we're going to come back. And I want to remind everybody again. Steve Ray will be on the Terry and Jesse show on Friday, and he's going to talk about this virtual pilgrimage to the Holy Land through the computer, through the app, 
He's going to ask everybody to join us through the, with the Bible and travel through the Holy Land and show how some of these Old Testament uh, countries where uh, it all began with Adam and Eve, and he's also going to go to uh, Jordan, and he's also going to get to uh, Syria and Italy and Turkey and all these beautiful countries and show where the Bible, the things that took place in the Bible in these countries and you don't have to get on a, a, a plane to see it because we're going to show it to you on YouTube and on our uh, on our YouTube channel and our app and all the other ways that we communicate with you. You're listening right now to the Bible with the Barbers. We had some difficulty with uh, connecting with my faithful wife, but we do have her. And when we come back, we're going to read from the book of, from the Acts of the Apostles. It's the daily reading. It's the first reading of Mass today. If you didn't get a chance. During the break, open up your missile and um, get ready for the uh, reading because she's going to tie this in to the pandemic situation that we have in in our times now with COVID-19. And I just want to remind everybody, I just thought it was really good news that the Trump administration just asked the U.N. to remove abortion funding from the coronavirus plan. I just really want to thank the president because it seems like every time we have a problem with the unborn. He seems to be standing up for them. And when it comes to November, I know what I'm going to vote for because he's doing a job to protect the unborn. And that's so important here in our country at this time of history. So when we come back, you'll be having my wife talk about the Acts of the Apostle reading for today's Mass. I also want to thank all the folks who donate to us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back more the Bible with the Barber. Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code VMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com code VMPR live porn free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting virgin most powerful radio and it doesn't cost you a dime i want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round may god bless you and your family
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I'm grateful that the technology issues got accomplished, and now my wife is with us. Mary Danielle, you made a promise you were going to read from the Acts of the Apostles and tie it into our topic today, so I'm all ears. So... Paul, from Miletus, Paul had the presbyters of the church at Ephesus summoned. When they came to him, he addressed them. You know how I lived among you the whole time from the day I first came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that came to me because of the plots of the Jews. And I did not at all shrink from telling you what was for your benefit and from teaching you in public or in your homes. I earnestly bore witness for both Jews and Greeks to repentance before God and to faith in the Lord Jesus. But now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. What will happen to me there? I do not know, except that in one city after another, the Holy Spirit has been warning me that imprisonment and hardships await me. Yet I consider life of no importance to me. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to bear witness to the gospel of God's grace. But now I know that none of you to whom I preached the kingdom during my travels will ever see my face again. And so I solemnly declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from proclaiming to you the entire plan of God. And how does this relate to the pandemic? Right. What is Paul talking about here? Paul was given a commission by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And of course, he preached to the Jews first, mm-hmm. gave them an opportunity to accept the gospel. But whenever they wouldn't accept it, he turned to the Gentiles and bring them the gospel. And because of that, Paul has been persecuted. He has been beaten. He's been beaten with rods and whips. He's been all manner of things have happened to Paul that weren't very pleasant. Right. And yet he continues to preach the gospel and he doesn't compromise it. He tells the truth. What do you need to do? You need to turn away from your sins, turn to God and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't shrink from any of it. So he's showing us this is the way to respond. When you are persecuted, hold fast to the truth. Don't compromise it. When there are trials and difficulties, Hold fast to the truth. Don't compromise it. And Paul gets his example from what? Paul knew the scriptures. And what I want to bring up here is a couple of Old Testament examples Mm -hmm. of how different people responded to specific. They're both the book of Kings. One of them is in 2 Kings 6, and it's Elisha, the prophet. And the backstory is that Syria... Not Assyria, but Syria was attacking 
Israel. This is the northern kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay, the 10 tribes in the north. The, the, the kingdom has already been split. There are 10 tribes in the north. And Elish, Elisha is the prophet for the north. And what happens is every time the king of Syria makes a plan against Israel, God reveals it to Elisha. And the fathers of the church said this is because Elisha was righteous and he was living in the grace of God. And so God could speak to him. And so Elisha would tell the king of Israel and the king of Syria thought that somebody in his cabinet was obviously betraying him. And they said, no, no, no. It's this prophet up here in, in, in uh, Israel. Mm. You got to go get him. So the king of Syria sends his troops to go take the prophet. Right. And one morning the prophet's aide comes out and he looks outside and all this whole army, mm-hmm. the entire Syrian mm-hmm. army mm-hmm. is coming against him. Mm-hmm. He's like, my father, my father, look, we're dead. We're good. And, and, and Elisha says, don't worry. Those who are with us are far more than those who are against us. Mm-hmm. Then he prayed God to open the eyes of his servant. Yeah. And his servant could see the angels arrayed in battle formation on the hills. <laughs> wow! So then Elisha prays that the Syrian army will be blinded and they are. So Elisha goes out and meets them. And then he takes them to the King of Israel, right? He brings them into the King's hall. And the King says, well, what am I supposed to do? My father slay them. And he said, no, don't slay them, feed them. Mm. And then Elisha prays and he asks God to give them their sight back. Wow. So the, the Syrian army is in the power of the king of Israel now because they've been led to the king blinded. And now they receive their sight and they see themselves in the king's palace. And it's like, what? And the king throws a banquet for them. Hmm. Well, what's interesting about that is that ended Syria's attacks on Israel. Because of that act of kindness, you see, Elisha wins the war, doesn't he? God's way. Not by attacking the people, but he prayed for God to, to blind these men. They were being unjust and injustice blinds us. Mm-hmm. So they, they got physical blindness. They were led to their enemy and their enemy treats them with kindness. And this was Elisha's showing. He's teaching the king that, you know, more is won by kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and then Syria never attacked. They never attacked Israel again. Wow. So, but the prophet, what, has, what was the prophet Elisha doing? He was living in union with God. He didn't tremble and fear. Now his aide did, but he didn't. When the Syrian army came against him, he knew that he could call on God to send his angels to fight the battle. Do we believe that God will send his angels to fight the battle? Do we have this faith? And do we have hope in an eternal life? Or is everything, I heard you and Jesse talking about is everything that we're hoping for in this world. Yeah. Because if everything we're hoping for is in this world, then we're no longer seeing things from God's perspective. Right. We're called to get to heaven. We're not called to live here on this earth forever. And I like what you say, you know, it's like, you know, the bishops are all afraid we're going to get COVID and die. You know what, bishops? I'm going to die whether I get COVID or not. Right. You know, and COVID doesn't kill as many people as, as they thought it was going to kill. Right. And we have we have remedies for it, human remedies. We have, yeah. you know, the the, the um, hydrochloroquine along with zinc and the arrhythmia, the ZPAC, um, yeah. mm-hmm. wonderfully against this. That's right. Many, many people have been cured. People who were at high risk 
who have been cured. People who were at death's door mm -hmm. have been brought back through the treatment. So it, what are we afraid of? And we shouldn't be afraid even if it were killing as many people as it said it was going to kill. Yeah. We're supposed to have our hope fixed on eternal life. And this was Elisha the prophet had his hope firmly fixed on eternal life and on God's help. The second example I want to use from the Old Testament, and I love this example, is Hezekiah. Oh, yeah. The king of Israel. Now, do you remember who Hezekiah's father is? No. Do y'all remember Ahaz? Oh, yeah. Remember Ahaz, mm -hmm. that <laughs> infamous king yep. of Israel? Yep. Who, who was always leading the people into idolatry? Yes. Well, the one who you know, stole Naboth's uh, vineyard? Yep. Well, Ahaz, Hezekiah is his son. Hmm. And Hezekiah... When he became king, he was he was kind of co-regent with his father for a while. But when he actually became king, when his father died, Hezekiah restored the proper worship to Israel. Mm. He restored the worship of God. He destroyed all of the pagan idols. Wow. Then the king of Assyria came against Judah. That was the southern kingdom. This is later on in, in the book of Kings. This isn't Syria anymore. This is Assyria. And Shennacherib marches against, and Shennacherib has destroyed, you know, all of the, the allies of Israel, of, of Judah, mm -hmm. Judah, excuse me, the southern kingdom. There's only two tribes now in Judah. Hezekiah only has two tribes. And so the king of Assyria comes and Shennacherib sends a letter to Hezekiah saying, don't let your God fool you into thinking that he can deliver you from my hands. I have destroyed all the gods of all your neighboring people. I've subjugated all your neighboring people. Now, Hezekiah had already, um, if you read the whole thing in the book of Kings and read chapter um, um, 18 and 19, it, he had already fasted and prayed in sackcloth, had his people fasting and praying in sackcloth because Shennacherib had sent a message that he was coming. Mm -hmm. And so then when he finally does come and he gives this letter and he's besieging Jerusalem, well, Hezekiah goes in before the Lord and he takes the letter into the temple and he sits before the Lord, or prostrates himself, excuse me, before the Lord. And he said, Lord, look what this man, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it in Kings 18 and 19, especially in Kings 19. Look what this man says about you. What are you going to do about it? And the prophet had already told um, Hezekiah that this is the prophet Isaiah had already told him that the Lord would take care of him. And in verse 35 and 36 of chapter 19 of Kings, it says, and that night the angel of the Lord went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Wow. So the Assyrian Shennacherib, he's, he's, he's set up his siege works against Jerusalem, goes to bed, got himself, he's all ready, you know. In the morning he gets up and 185,000 of his soldiers, soldiers are dead. Hmm. And nobody has come into his camp. Wow. Guess where he had to go? He had to go back to Assyria. Yep. And, but what was, what was the point? What was the response of the, and of course, Hezekiah listened to the prophet Isaiah. He prayed, he put his trust in the Lord. And the first thing he had done was restore the proper worship to Israel. He had returned the people. He had turned the people's hearts back to God. Mm -hmm. And this is what we need to do. All of us 
And we need, sometimes we need not to wait for the leadership. Each one of us needs to decide for ourselves. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I um, was listening this morning to a judge from New Jersey and um, his, his last name is actually Napolitano. Yep. But anyway, he was talking about the fact that, wait a minute, everybody's looking to the government to solve this problem. Wake up everyone. You are the government. Now he didn't say it in that words, but remember, we the people of the United States, we are the government. Yep. We shouldn't be looking to, and, and the same with God, we should be looking to God and knowing that we have to humble ourselves before him and ask for his help. Well said, I hear the music. We'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to thank you again for joining us in this Bible study. We'll be back with one more segment. Tummy. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the key word pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle is back with us. We had some phone problems, but... We're back on, Mary, so it's all yours. So we, we've talked about um, 
Paul and his humility and his willingness to suffer for the gospel. Mm -hmm. We talked about Elisha in the second book of Kings, chapter six, where he trusts God and he knows that he can call on God for protection. And he helps Israel make a friend with Syria who had been attacking him. Mm -hmm. We talked about Hezekiah in King, second Kings chapter 19, where the king of Assyria came against Hezekiah and Hezekiah has trusted in the Lord. He has restored the proper worship to Israel. And so he trusts in the Lord to take care of the king of Assyria. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't even gather an army. He just takes the Assyrian king's letter in to God and says, okay, Lord, what are you going to do about it? And God took care of it. 185,000 Assyrians died. Mm -hmm. So what do we have in the New Testament that might give us some idea how to react in times of great calamity? Well, in Acts 12, we read that King Herod had imprisoned um, James and the brother of John and put him to death. And this pleased the Jews very much. So he was harassing the church and he said, oh, well, I know how to get at him. I'll get Peter. Mm -hmm. So Herod had arrested Peter and Peter is in prison. And it was just before the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Herod was biding his time. He couldn't do it during the holiday. So he was going to wait till after the holiday, but he was going to execute Peter. Yeah. What did the church do? Go out in the streets and protest outside of Herod's palace. You know, we want Peter. We want Peter. <laughs> no, actually, they didn't so. do that. <laughs> you, uh... they, they gathered together in prayer. Yep. They offered fervent prayer for Peter. And the Lord himself intervenes to deliver Peter. But the church is praying for him. Yeah. Continue night and day and this is are we praying are we praying you know to the lord knowing that god can deliver us from all situations but keeping in mind jesus christ didn't come to eradicate all human suffering no we the kingdom of god is not a kingdom on this earth the kingdom of god on this earth is not a kingdom without suffering suffering is part of life ever since original sin and so there will be suffering Paul didn't shrink from the hardships of the gospel, did he? He was beaten 40 lashes less once. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He had suffered so much. And even from all his travels, always in danger from brigands and thieves and people who might attack you on the road. And so we don't shrink from trials but we unite all of our trials to Jesus Christ and him crucified because we know that all of our suffering can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. So the, the people are praying for Peter. And how does God deliver Peter? Again, what did the prophet Elisha say? He showed his, his, his um, aid, the angels. Mm -hmm. God sent an angel to deliver Peter from prison. And if you remember the story, Peter thought he was having a dream. He didn't even know. I mean, the angel actually had to say that he, he, the chains drop off of Peter and the angel has to say, okay, Peter, get up. <laughs> and then Peter gets up and he's standing there. And then he has to say, Peter, put your cloak on, get dressed. Okay, Peter, follow me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Peter still thinks he's, 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 he's not until he's actually out into the street and out of the prison that he realizes that God sent his angel to deliver him. Right. And then he goes to where the people are gathered and have been praying for him. And they rejoice. And, and it shows, you know, do we turn to God with fervent prayer 
in our time of need. And I think this is what the church shows us from the beginning. Turn to God with fervent prayer in your time of need. Well, well Mary, the, Mary, let me just jump in for a second because you're giving us a solution to us today in 2020 with the coronavirus and how people all over the world right now are scared to death. I mean, they're frightened. And it seems to me that this uh, unhealthy approach where people are scared, they seem to do all kinds of odd things. I mean, there's suicide is up. Um, there's family violence at the home right now. There's, there's crime is up. And people are all saying, well, it's the coronavirus. It makes me, you know, I'm comfortable. There's, there's more um, medication going out for antidepressants right now and people who are nervous about this. It seems to me that you're giving the answer through the Bible of how we handled things like, you know, the coronavirus. Can we apply this to the coronavirus? That's the question as we come to a close of our show. Absolutely. And that's the, the whole point of this is that we need God's help today in this moment mm -hmm. as much as any other generation has needed God's help. Amen. And in the history of the church, you know, outside of scripture, you have this continuously going on where you see the people of God come together in prayer in times of calamity. And the example I wanted to use for Paul, again, was the Acts of the Apostles in 14. Paul is actually stoned. He's, the, he's at Leicester, I believe, and, and he was stoned by the people. Right. And first they had deified him, and then they ended up stoning him. And they, they stoned him. You know, the, the Jews would drag someone out of the city before they stoned him. The, the pagans, they just stoned you in the city square, and then they dragged you out of the city. So that they, this crowd gathers around him. They stone him, and they drag him out of the city, thinking him dead. And what do the disciples do? They gather around him. Now, it doesn't say that they gathered around him in prayer, but they gather around him. And I can imagine they're praying for Paul. And Paul stands up and he walks back into the city. Mm -hmm. So we pray. We gather together and pray. Right. And let's not be afraid to gather together and pray publicly right now. We need to get out there and take our rosary to the streets. And we need to start praying the rosary publicly. Walk around your block. Pray your rosary. Walk around your parish parameters. Pray your rosary. Um, somebody was telling me that they tried to pray their rosary outside their parish church, um, near the church, and the pastor got very upset. And I said, well, just go out to the public sidewalk then and get a group of 10 people and, you know, walk around the, na the neighborhood and pray the rosary around the parish church. You know, if, if, he, if he chases you off of the parish property, he can't chase you off the public sidewalk. Right. But we really need to pray and beg God. And, you know, and again, we have to have Paul's attitude. Paul was humble and Paul knew his weakness and he also knew his virtues. He said, I have been humble. I have humbled myself before the Lord. And this is what we have to do. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and confess our sins. And I know it's hard to get to confession, but you know what? There are pastors who are hearing confessions. Quietly, there are pastors that if you if you call them, they'll make an appointment. And um, we need to pray for our priests and bishops that they will be courageous, that they will teach, govern, and sanctify the church in accord with God's will, and that they will safeguard the sacred deposit of faith. And by the way, part of that sacred deposit of faith is that we have here no lasting city. We are not trying to build a utopia on earth. 
We are not trying to build a brotherhood of man without the fatherhood of God. We want God to be our father. We treat everyone as brothers and sisters. We're not supposed to look down on people or ridicule them. We are supposed to pray for one another. And by the way, we are supposed to pray for our political leaders. Pray for Governor Newsom. Those of you in Sacramento or the Sacramento area, get together and, and get a group and get people together. You know, for seven days, if you can, do the Jericho walk. Go seven days straight, go up to the Capitol and walk around the Capitol and seven times praying the rosary for seven days, if you can do that. That was the Jericho walk, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, just pray it. And But pray the rosary from home. In Austria, in 1945, the communists had taken over Austria. A priest in Austria organized not a public rosary campaign because he couldn't, but a private rosary campaign. And he got at least 10% of the Austrian people to agree to pray the rosary daily to be delivered from communism. And in 1955, without a war, Austria was delivered from communism. The power of prayer, the power of the rosary. So right now in this pandemic, we need to know, first of all, be ready to die at any moment. None of us knows. And I know you and Terry, Jesse, Terry, you and Jesse talked about the right. collateral damage of this virus. Right. And part of the collateral damage, by the way, is people who have serious illnesses who are not being able to be treated because we're acting as if COVID is the only thing that's important. Right. And it's no, we, we've lost our sight. We've lost our sight of reality. We need to get back into reality. But the greatest reality is our relationship with God. Get back into right relationship with God. Go to confession. If you can't get to confession, there will be confessions at the chapel Saturday. Yeah, four, uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So I encourage you to get the confession there. But as you mentioned, Mary, more parishes are offering it if you just call the parish. And if you call one parish and they say no, don't hang up. Call another one. Yeah, don't quit. Don't give up. Just call another one. Just keep calling yeah. until you find a priest who is hearing confessions. Yeah. And, and there, um, you know, there, there are parishes now who are trying to um, have mass with social distancing, you know, with disinfecting and all that. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to do the daily mass to see how much work it's going to do to have a Sunday mass where you're going to disinfect everything. Right. Well, well, Mary, wrapping it all up, applying it to us, fear is, the Bible says fear is useless. What we need is trust. And I think that if we, we, we really focus our, 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 focus our thinking and our mindset on God's word and what his promise is, then even this world and all the tribulations of this world are not going to overcome us because Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Okay. Right. There you have exactly. it. Okay. Yeah. Wrap it up, Mary. Fear is useless and what is needed is trust. And remember, we pray for our bishops and priests. They're supposed to be the pastors of our souls. They're supposed to give us the life from the sacraments, mm. the sacramental life of the church. And the doctor can advise us on our health, but our health is actually between ourselves and God. And I'm not putting anybody at risk by going out into public. If someone is at risk because they might get COVID because they have a compromised immune system, then yeah, it, it would be prudent for them not to be going out in public. That's right. But to tell me a healthy person who's not sick that I can't go out in public, that I have to live in fear because I might be hurting someone else. No, that's not, that's not being charitable. And that's not, that's just telling me to live in fear. And St. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews that the children 
had remained slaves through their fear of death. We need to renounce our fear of death and put our trust back in the Lord and start praying really hard for God to give us the courage to face death with the confidence in his mercy. Well said, and up next is the bar of history with Dr. Mar- Dr. Um, Ed Mazza. Thank you. I'm thinking of another one. Dr. Mazza will come up next on the bar of history. And uh, this is Virgin Most Powerful. Don't forget, we got new shows coming up this week. Just go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and you can see all the lineup now with divine mercy and spiritual warfare material. We've got more and more for you to help you get to heaven here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.